What's up, guys? Brian Wilson here. Jiu-Jitsu Unraveled episode. Going to get started for you here in a moment here in the old studio. Um, but uh, unfortunately, this episode kind of I had to start. Uh, it started recording like 15 minutes after we had started talking for some reason. This is with Matt Vernon of Primate Jiu-Jitsu. Um, some things that we talked about that did not appear on the episode, sadly. And um, hopefully, maybe I can have uh, another podcast with Matt and or his wife, Kendall, in the future. Uh, but we're talking about just the dynamic they have that own, uh, owning a gym together, right? Running a gym together. His wife's a purple belt. They just had uh, their first child. Talked about that a little bit. Uh, and also, uh, his wife has put a lot of research into starting the SPATS company, Gaidama, G-A-I-D-A-M-A. Um, but we talked a little bit about that. SPATS company for women um, has all of these features with the waistband, uh, and them not being see-through and just the way they're stitched together uh, that are really good for women. So check that out. Uh, and we kind of come in on the episode and start recording when he and I are talking about Clay Mayfield, a former guest uh, that was on the podcast that uh, both uh, Matt and I have had matches against in a tournament, um, in tournaments. And um, we kind of come in talking about judo for jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. So Apologies for that not recording. Not sure what the issue is. Had this happened one other time, and knock on wood, was just talking about it a couple of episodes ago, uh, back how it had happened. But hopefully um, we get that figured out, and it doesn't happen in the future. Apologies uh, for what we missed, but still a great talk with Matt about takedowns, throws, leg attacks, uh, controversial match that he was in uh, due to someone not tapping. Uh, we did a screen share breakdown on that. So enjoy the episode, guys. Again, apologies for it cutting in kind of abruptly. Uh, keep tuning in. I'm going to uh, keep bringing as many awesome guests on the show as possible from all walks of life. Uh, and thank you for watching the show. I uh, vowed that I was going to learn judo. So I was on like a – when I learned that I really suck at something, I always try to make it a point to start – be, uh, trying to be good at that, you know, that area. And, uh, man, whenever Clay threw me, I, I was on that mission, like I said. So I started trying to learn judo and uh, ended up getting a judo coach and uh, been practicing it, like, weekly ever ever since. So I've always – I've had a judo class at my gym uh, ever since I've had the gym started. And um, I was just been practicing on my own. Up Before I started my gym, though, I was basically just learning judo on my own. Um, uh, I got to where I could, my goal when I first started was, I was like, I just want to be able to one day be able to do a, say a, a standing Sayanagi. I just want to be able to throw somebody over my shoulder. That was like Iconic. my ultimate goal. Right. And, uh, I remember when I was practicing back when I was a brown belt, I hit my first live rolling standing Sayanagi and it was the best feeling ever. So it's like been such a rewarding process because man takedowns are hard to practice and a lot of people avoid them and judo is really i mean judo and wrestling are both really hard and uh hard on the body and uh man i just took the time to you know just to do it and uh, i was so happy when i started getting good at it and now i'm not you know i'm not the best but i definitely am competent standing and with throws and with uh wrestling so that was like a huge goal of mine i've always wanted to be super well well-rounded so yeah, I'm glad I did it. 
Nice. Yeah, man. And like, that's what, like when I was doing jujitsu, I did not wrestle in high school. And um, I just like noticed one day that I had, I was a blue belt and I had no takedown ability. Like we didn't, I, I knew a couple of things, but that's when I decided to like really dedicate myself to, to like learning the takedown game, started studying judo. How do you do judo at your gym? You just do like a traditional judo class? You do judo ranks or what? No, it's a, it's ba I have a, it's basically a takedown class, you know, um, it's, we alternate gi and no gi, or, or and uh, so it's basically just a takedown class, because I try to tailor it to jujitsu competitions, so it's not like a traditional judo class where, where we do, we do a lot of the things that judo class would do to learn the throws, because, you know, you got to practice uchikomi and things like that to get good at the mechanics and to get good at your kazushi. But uh, it's really tailored to jujitsu competition. So very rarely will I show like a technique that won't work in a jujitsu or won't put you in a bad spot in jujitsu. Mm -hmm. We do sandagis where you turn your back and drop sandagis and stuff. I think that's, those are good techniques, but some techniques, you know, I wouldn't suggest, I wouldn't spend the time really learning for jujitsu. Like, you know, some makikomis, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Uh, I don't want to expose my back too much for, for you know, because uh, the, the rules are different. I'm not, I'm not going to win if I fully commit and throw you and I turtling up doesn't help me in jujitsu. So some yeah. things we stay away from, but, uh, you know, keep it basic. And, uh, but yeah, we practice uh, alternating wrestling and judo uh, at the gym, you know, once a week. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like the, the Makakomis are a great example. Also, it's Makakomi or um, Aseo, like I noticed, like a lot of people will go for like a Wazari where they like try and get you down on one shoulder. And for whatever reason, I've done, gone with a lot of judo guys and they'll try and hit me with a certain throw and I go straight into a bow and arrow choke on them. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's usually like a, a Soto Makakomi or something like that. And it's just like you get the back, your shoulder hits first, so they get a half a point in judo. Yeah. But, you know, that's one thing that's, that's definitely always uh, I've been mm -hmm. noticing. I always give a disclaimer when I teach a Sayanagi, drop Sayanagi, or <laughs> I'm like, you have to get really good at this before you try this in a competition, because if you fail, you're going to get your back taken. You're going to get choked out. So yeah, if, if you set it up right, those, some of those throws can be <laughs> pretty, pretty useful, but man, if you're bad at them and you try them, you can really <laughs> put yourself in a bad spot. Yeah. I, yeah. T totally uh, get what you're saying there. Um, so another thing, man, that I, I've definitely seen you doing that, like I like noticing, like in practitioners or whoever, like, oh, hey, not everybody does that. And then I like always remark on it because like so many guys stereotypically, less so than usual, avoid like takedown game. It's jujitsu, I'm pull guard or whatever, right? You just don't see it. I think that's less of a problem before, but another thing is leg locks. Yeah. Right? I feel like you've had a lot of success in competition with leg locks, when did you start studying leg attacks? Man, you know what's funny about um, leg attacks is I'm not, I don't really think I'm that good at leg attacks in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's funny that uh, I've won some tournaments with leg locks, but uh, man, AGF has always been a, a place when I go compete at AGF and when I really compete in general, I, I usually just do AGF quite a bit because competition for me is more of a, a place for me to 
I'm not like trying to prove I'm the best, you know, I'm like really just trying to work on my composure and executing techniques under stress and uh, just getting that experience of like a, a real, real hard fight, you know? So, man, a lot of the times when I'm out at competitions, I'm trying to improve on something when I go. So it was funny. I haven't, I didn't, I didn't start leg locks until I was a man, until I was late brown belt, black belt. I was, I, I was a, a loss to a couple heel hooks in a competition, you know, right when heel hooks started becoming a, the thing and yeah. uh, just a few heel hook losses will make you be like, all right, okay, I suck. And that's another thing is another point where I was like, man, I really suck at this. So I really started diving into it. And um, for a while I obsessed over just doing leg locks and learning how to go through the positions and control all the different ashigaramis and um, trying to do all the, learn all the Danaher leg lock system. And uh, yeah. before Danaher put out his, his official leg lock DVD, I kind of had pieced together his system based off competition footage from his students. So I had like a rudimentary leg lock system type of a thing. I was already kind of teaching at my gym to the beginners, just as a, it's like a real beginner version of it. And uh, just kind of to get people to flow through the different Ashigaramis and learn that once the defense starts to come in, you can go to a next position and keep your part partner in trouble and advance and eventually end up in a, you know, like the honey hole or something at the end or somewhere where you can get a strong finish and not a lot of defense. So I was really focused on his competition footage. And eventually when he put out that DVD, then I was like, Oh, now I can really like get the legit technique from the source. And I've been practicing, you know, a lot on that but man to be honest i feel like that's not the strongest point of my game my, my game i've had some success at agf but man uh against the real good leg lock guys man i'm, I'm still you know I'm one of those guys you know i get caught all the time and it's uh it's one but I'm, I'm always working to get better so if you see me attacking leg locks in tournaments maybe it's not because i feel like that's the most impressive part of my game but i feel like I'm trying to work on, I'm trying to get to where I can pull that off in a tournament. So, you know, sometimes you get lucky in tournaments. Sometimes you, you know, you execute pretty, looks like you're pretty good, but man, I, I feel like really uh, what I feel like I'm the best at is Kimura, Kimuras and Kimura traps and taking the back. So what, what kind of inspired you with that? Did you just kind of develop it on your own or was there like yeah. a, source I'm always, I'm always inspired by the guys who are the best you know the best guys in the world and seeing what they're doing and just uh so I think I saw Kimura Trap back at ADCC back when I think David Avalon did it to Tarsus Humphreys he uh did a Kimura Trap to the back and I was like wow that what was that I, I've never seen it before and I I, I saw it I, I didn't really realize he had a system right and uh the next couple years I saw like Keenan Cornelius doing it. And he was, when he was still at Lloyd Irvin's, he was using it a lot. And yeah. uh, he was, you know, spinning into the back from using a Kimura going into arm locks. And I was like, man, what is this guy doing? And then that's when I, David Avalon and uh, Lloyd Irvin put out that DVD and they had like a system. And I find, I bought that system, the Kimura trap system. And ever since then, man, I've just been, that's been my, my thing. It's ever since like blue belt. So, I mean, I, I've kind of, there's been a, like a progression through through all the belts of like what I've really been, what like I'm good at. 
I probably started at blue belt being good at half guard. Like that was my close guard, half guard, half guard. I was one of my things I was really good at. But then I got into butterfly guard and X guard through Marcelo because that's another idol that I, I was always watching him, him and seeing what he was yeah. doing. So I got through butterfly and X guard. You know, I started getting really good at that. And then that's when about purple belt, I start, started finding the Kimura trap. And I started trying to do fancy things that I thought were cool from my other idols, like Hoffa Mendez. So I started Barambolo and things like that. I started Kimura Trap and Barambolo and uh, started learning the systems behind those two areas. And then, you know, as, as I started going up through Brown Belt, less, Kimura, less uh, Barambolos and more, you know, I started getting heavy into pressure passing. That was like my next, uh, like, huge thing. And, uh, eventually got to I've always stuck with Kimuras and Kimura traps that's my, been my bread and butter and then eventually like I said I got the leg so it's funny how you start to realize you suck that's what that's always been what's um, made me pick the next thing is what do I suck at or where do I need to adapt something into my where do I what I need to plug a hole some you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah yeah, that's like, let me ask you this kind of like the last two topics together. Is there any crossover or places that you blend your takedown game into your leg attack game? That's been something that I, I'm increasingly fascinated by. Oh, man. Yeah. So one other man, I have so many idols. Gary Tonin is literally my favorite grappler. He's my most entertaining guy. And I love the way he blends wrestling into uh, leg locks and um, into just literally just into any dangerous position he tries to mix his takedowns with. So yeah, I'm all about um, flowing from, so I, I kind of, the way I think about jujitsu is the way Danaher kind of presents jujitsu, the having like little small systems based on the different uh, areas of the body and uh, learning to blend those systems together. So I'm huge on, finding the transitions between takedowns to leg attacks or leg attacks to the back or leg attacks to the Kimura or any upper body submission or going from the back to the front headlock, you know? So that's a huge part of the way I think about jujitsu and the way I try to teach to my students is how to not only just learn the individual systems and learn how to control them in their self and flow through them, but how to connect so that's, yeah, my, that's a, the, the, uh, the game of mixing wrestling and the leg locks I'm super fascinated by. I'm trying to get better at it right now. I kind of already, use, I use kind of like a double leg to pull into the legs into Ashi. Yeah. That's a pretty good bread and butter technique I already have. But man, Gary has a few that I learned at a seminar with him from like being in a, being in a Russian tie or Russian tying somebody and then jumping to the legs, like super creative stuff like, like that. So yeah, I'm into, I love all that stuff. I want to say I've seen you, like what made me kind of remark on that. I want to say I've seen you do like a video or an instructional oh. where you do like a reverse sumigashi or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite techniques. Yeah. So yeah, you hit, you hit a, you just do a sumigashi, like get a Russian tie in the gi or no gi and, uh, use that lat grip to sumigashi over your shoulder. Your leg's already in between their legs, so you can go right into ashi or, or not ashi, into the honey hole or into uh, reverse ashi. So you're already yeah. in the knee bar, that, that position. So yeah, man, that's, a, that's one of my favorite techniques to, 
that's one actually one of my, my favorite takedowns is that sumigation. Yeah, I've been doing that like the whole time I've been training. You know, um, have you heard of Bryce Mitchell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thug Nasty. Yeah. So he's from Arkansas. I've known him forever. Um, but hit one of his coaches is, uh, I think he's a third degree black belt now, Willie McLaughlin. He's actually training. He moved to Wynn, Arkansas and trains with Burge Franks. I don't know if you know who Burge is. No, but, I don't know. Uh, he's, um, man, I've met him a couple of times, uh, just in passing, but, uh, I remember when Carlino and I one time went to Memphis, we were trying to stop at his gym. It's over near Memphis, but we just couldn't make it work. But that Willie trains with Burge now and like, dude, Willie McLaughlin, he's on my podcast. He was teaching that. He's taught that several, that Sumi goes to me several ways over the years. Uh, but he will do it as a counter to the single leg. Yeah. Perfect time to do it. Yeah, I love it. I do it to my students all the time. That's one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but man, that is uh, like I remember when I discovered that it went to the entanglements. I was like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. man. It's it's a smooth smooth technique, and it's man, I love it because I can do it to anybody of any size and weight. So sometimes it's hard to battle big guys for takedowns. Mm-hmm. If you if they grab at your collar, like they grab a grip on your collar, and you kind of use a, a Russian tie motion and grab their 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 sleeve in front of your chest and reach around their back and grab the belt or the lat with the other arm, and you're kind of in that like really deep uh, side on position. Man, you do that sumigashi right there, and man, they have no defense, and and if you do it right, they won't land on you. So man, that's one of my favorite techniques for people of all sizes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike, are there any, um, are there any other things like you've um, crossed over like that? Like what, what do you think the next wave is going to be? Like we're talking about kind of catching these waves or maybe even spotting them early, like James Partridge. I was talking to him the other day. I'm like, dude, you were doing, you, I know I saw you doing leg locks before they were cool, you know, yeah. but like how, what's next or like what, you know, what is next? Uh, Neck cranks, face face chokes. Man, dude, neck cranks, they're kind of already in style, man. It's uh, its one of those things. Now you don't see a lot of people always sinking in rear naked chokes now. It's a lot of like face crank, uh, you know, turning that, turning the chin with your wrist and just cranking and you get a, you get a tap, they tap. It's, you know, it's a uh, legit technique. So, man, uh, what is the next, next wave? It's hard to, I'm not a trend spotter, man. I'm not a, I'm not the best trend spotter, but uh, either, you know, honestly, like what you were saying, that's always been my logic. Like, Hey, I suck at this or I see it and it speaks to me and I go down the rabbit hole, man. Do you know what? Oh, sorry. I thought of one just now, uh, man, something that I'm starting to get into that maybe I'm already behind the, the trend and the gi is the, the matrix and, uh, the K guard, you know what the matrix back take is? A little bit. Like, I'm familiar with the K-Guard a little bit. Maybe that's a trend. If you don't know about it, maybe it is a new up-and-coming thing. But it's a really cool back take that I'm not good at. I've seen people do, and it looks pretty effective. I'm not, I'm not sure. i gotta, I got to try it. So, um, man, some of these young up-and-coming competitors, I'm going to start watching what they're doing. And if they're doing something cool, that maybe that's the next thing. So – the gym you came out of, were they like strictly jujitsu, MMA? Have you done other arts or anything yeah. other than jujitsu? Uh, I've uh, I used to 
do I've fought Muay Thai a few times. So I've I've trained Muay Thai coming up through the ranks. Um, we have a Muay Thai coach at our gym right now. Uh, I don't train it a lot right now. You know, I'm just so, you know, exhausted through doing jujitsu and doing weightlifting. I'd weightlift outside. So, you know, I don't do a whole lot of Muay Thai, but I, I try to jump in there. I got a bag at the house and stuff. But, uh, man, I trained Muay Thai as a blue. When I, I started doing MMA when I first got into jujitsu after about a year uh, around the time I was a blue belt, I did MMA and trained Muay Thai, did a few Muay Thai fights, but, uh, man, Muay Thai, uh, MMA is just tough, tough lifestyle, man. So I wasn't, um, I wasn't super committed to doing that. And there's no way to just be competitive in a MMA. If you're not 100% into it, at least I don't think it's smart to just yeah. dabble in MMA. So, uh, I did it a few times and, uh, did some Muay Thai fights, but my passion's always been the ground. But uh, I, I like. I need to get. I, to be honest, my I've been thinking about getting back into maybe even trying boxing. Uh, that's kind of one of the things. I just want to. I don't know if I want to ever box in a competition, but man, just learning the the sweet science and learning the footwork, man, I, I'm super interested in all the the technicalities and the just watching high level boxers. I love watching like breakdowns on YouTube and on the mm -hmm. technique and footwork and watching Floyd Mayweather's defense. So man, I'd like to learn it. I need to uh, maybe get into that. one day. Man, it, you know, along the lines of the same things we're talking about with jujitsu in 2013, cause I came from a, the gym I originally trained at did MMA. And then they added the gi after I'd been there, like, probably 18 months. They're like, oh, we're going to do a BJJ program, guys. We're going to wear the uniform. And we just did MMA, Nogi, and Muay Thai. And I was just like, extra rolling one night a week. Fantastic. I'll be there. Give me one of your outfits, please. You know, <laughs> so I started, you know, I started training the gi, but I just stayed with MMA the whole time and um, sort of definitely integrated it and tried to integrate it into like everything I was doing. But I mean, one thing I've become increasingly fascinated with would be the next thing. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on combat jiu-jitsu, right? Like, I integrated boxing in 2013 with some moral of that story for the yeah. same reasons. But what are your thoughts on, like, slapping people in the ears while you're doing jiu-jitsu to them? Man, I like, I like it. It's, uh, I love watching it. I would never probably personally compete in it just because, you know, I don't want to get slapped in the – I guess we could. I mean, I don't yeah. know. If, maybe if I was getting paid money, I would do, I would do something like that. But – you know, uh, I love watching it. I think it's awesome. I train it at the gym sometimes. We have, you know, we have, we'll have training weeks or, you know, little blocks of training sessions where we'll slap each other. And uh, the guys love it. You got to, you got to know, you got to train against strikes somehow. And if you don't want everybody in MMA gloves, if punching each other, you know, slaps are the next best thing. So, man, if it's, it makes you realize that you're vulnerable, you know. So we do train it at the gym. But I don't know. I love watching the competitions. It's it's super entertaining. Me myself competing, I'm not sure if I'll ever do it. But I love watching yeah. I love watching James and Hunter. Oh man, throw down and slap people. It's hilarious. I love it. That combat jujitsu worlds um, that James just fought on. He he said uh, he was just on the podcast last week. I think his episode comes out tomorrow or Thursday. But um, he said that was like the best payday he had ever got was fighting oh, wow. at Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. And then 
um, like one thing I remarked is like those dudes had evolved, I guess, through just the short amount of time there's been combat jujitsu into like doing things I've never even seen in ground and pound, right? So they would like be like down and would like do a technique where they would be kind of like coming up to their knee and then go into the slap with that forward momentum. And I just thought it was so creative. They were like doing transitions into the slap and set up like, wow. People are creative, man. They're going to come up with a good way to generate enough force to slap the piss out of you. <laughs> it's, it's so, I love it. I love the innovation. And uh, man, it's, it's funny. That, I, I, I got to have to find a scenario where I see that. That'd be hilarious to watch. I got to pay more attention. Yeah. 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 So, um, one thing I wanted to chat with you about, man, and this, um, not to like make any, uh, controversial statements or anything, cause, uh, I did definitely make a controversial statement when this happened, but you were involved in a, uh, high profile jujitsu match in my home state with oh. a guy, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, honestly, like I commented on something, I was like, I think this dude in, in hindsight, it's like, I mean, honestly, like I just was, I was really put out by the behavior of the other athlete, right? Because, man, he just like I heard him. I was sitting there watching it from across, but I heard him scream, saw him hit the mat and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, this dude should be banned for life if he's going to act that way, is what I said online. And, and he, uh, he saw me say that. Like, I've never talked to him. Probably will watch this uh, podcast. I don't know. But, um, you know, whatever. You were involved in this match where this dude refused to tap to your sub. Yeah, man. Then, it, then you were nice. Like, just go ahead and tell the story if you don't mind. Yeah, man. Okay, so if you want to watch the video, it's guy refuses to tap to leg lock on YouTube, and it's it's got it's got I don't know over fifty thousand views. It's it's got a, a ton of views. It's like the only YouTube video I have that has anywhere near uh, that many views. It's hilarious. But uh, so I went and competed at AGF and was in a expert division, and uh, I go against this guy, and uh, we shake hands. He and uh, I pull immediately, I think, into the match. I, like, pulled into a double leg into a heel hook. I, like, dropped him to the floor and put him in a heel hook. And uh, right when I grabbed the heel hook, I felt his ankle pop. And uh, so I, I feel yeah. the, the ankle break or whatever. Something breaks. And uh, I thought that was going to be the end of the match. So I look at the guy, and he just looks at me and shakes his head. He's like, nope, nope. And he <laughs> – doesn't tap so yeah yeah if you're gonna watch yeah watch so i pull into a heel hook and uh yeah he just kind of says he's not gonna tap so from then on i was like oh no what what is what's going on uh, and that's never happened to you before in any other match no 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 so right yeah i got him down right here i got the heel hook it popped right there and i look at him i'm like nope i'm like he's like nope so he refuses so i start cranking on it again and it's already kind of loose. It's looser already. Like a, the, it wasn't as tight as it was. So oh. I popped and already felt weird. And I keep cranking. Look, I'm still cranking on it. And the guy has to move that leg to the outside. So I decide to bail on it. And uh, the match continues. And uh, eventually, you'll see, it takes a little while to get to, but I, I um, ended up putting him in a few different other submissions. I had him in an arm bar that he wouldn't yeah. tap to, I had him in a triangle. We go out of bounds, and uh, 
I get him in a toehold finally, and I'm cranking this toehold, and it's his ankle is like loose. It's completely like I can feel the play in his ankle, and it's just folding over. And he refuses a tap. He just screams, and the ref has to stop the match. And uh, he gets angry. He like acts like he's mad about the result, and like punches the mat. So. Uh, yeah, it was a really weird thing to be a part of. And uh, see, you going from like, well, I love this. I remarked on this when you were doing it, how you have the leg still in, but you're going for the arm bar. And when the arm bar doesn't work, you go back to the leg. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a 50 50 arm bar type of a thing. I like that. And uh, yeah, he's not, he's not tapping. I like put it under my armpit and everything. And he just refuses to tap. And, I let it go because I was like, I got to choke him. I was like, I have to choke this guy. So put him in a choke, and they, he pulls me out of bounds. They stop the match. And, uh, man, it was wild. I've just never – I've never had a person not – like, ref, it's almost like he was refusing to admit that he was losing. And maybe it's if not, you were – Yeah, which is just not jujitsu, man. That's what turned me off about this. And it's not – like, it's not sports. Like, this was unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. That was my problem. And right here, he can't even stand up. He's like, I was like, I was kind of like, <laughs> don't I win if he can't stand up? I was like, come on, man. Like, I figured it was over. And uh, they make us, yeah, it's it's wild. They make us do keep going. And Which so, I guess there's not a policy in place to, I mean, because I, I know how they don't even want the ref stopping the fight now. Yeah, it, it was weird. Uh, I don't know if they changed the policy or not after this, like, well, I think a, a scream is a verbal tap. They have to stop it if you scream. And mm -hmm. he screams on the next. I get him in a toehold here in a second. And, uh, yeah, man, it's a uh, – and he, it was really weird because he was saying that he didn't want to tap in front of his kids, which was another really weird thing. Yeah, uh, I get that. He, he, you know, he fought – I like that. That's that double you were talking about, huh? He kind of shot oh, yeah, in and yeah. fell back. Yeah, yeah, that's a reliable – reliable entry there and it's pretty simple to pull off and a little x-guard sweep and then here's the, the same leg you were on earlier yeah same exact same exact leg look ah uh, and then i'm like it's so folded over at this point screaming and yeah it is wild but man he's a tough guy i saw him not he sees that he just doesn't like to tap to things and sometimes he gets hurt sometimes he doesn't yeah, unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, that you know, I dude, I thought you handled that extremely well. Uh, is in terms of just being a good sport, dude. I didn't see you um, get angry or upset or like it was maybe some confusion. Yeah, that. yeah, it's trying not to get mad, but man, it was it was it was a little frustrating. But you know, hey, I guess it's up to me to make people tap give him a better reason to tap or maybe guys like that. Sometimes you just got to go for the choke, man. That's a good reason. Or that's a good uh, example on if you're just fighting, if you were in a fight with somebody and they don't want to tap and they're just going to keep fighting, you have to find a way to get to a choke. You know what yeah. I mean? And especially in a self-defense scenario, like I can imagine, I remember in the match, I was getting tired. I was like, okay, this guy's, <laughs> he is, refusing to tap to anything and i'm having i'm throwing the kitchen sink at him trying to you know trying to end because i felt like i could end the match at any moment so i'm throwing everything at him 
And man, if it was like a 20 minute match and he was like, if he was on drugs or, you know, in the streets or whatever, you never know what people are on. And man, you'd be in trouble if you were only going for joint locks. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, well, maybe if you really injured him extremely bad with the joint lock, you could disable him. But man, the choke is the king. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's uh, that is a great point. You know, one thing like we've been actually going through. You know how Omar French does a systems class at his gym. Yeah. So we started doing that. We're actually working the Donaher leg lock stuff right now, and Ooh, we're nice. we're on the breaking, uh, the key skill number six breaking. Nice. So one thing about that that's like we just talked about this last class was the one of the principles of breaking is the follow through, right? And that's yeah. the thing that, like, I mean, if you would have had to follow through, yeah, you, you could. Yeah. Like, that's something psychologically that is so hard to train of, like, like swinging a baseball bat, basically, through someone's leg with your braking mechanic. If I would have had to train that. Yeah, it would have – that would have been maybe a game changer because people don't like hearing – feeling their knees explode. You know what I mean? And oh, I, I did only get his ankle. So, I mean, it was – I, that's what I'm getting at. I'm not the best at the heel hooks, but usually, man, if me, me personally, if my ankle pops as loud as it did, because it was very audible, it was very loud. When it, if my ankle pops like that, it's, it's like, oh, we're an AGF. It's like, man, you know, I'm just going to tap. But not everyone's, not everyone's, you know, some people are gangsters, man. They, they don't tap. For real. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that dude is tough. He's grappled one of my dudes um, in Nogi before. And I got like, so I know this one guy who's a purple belt. His name's Braden Anthony's from Memphis. And he thinks that the, the cloverleaf submission is bullshit. <laughs> like, he's like, no, like, and I cannot tap him with it. He'll just like, no, I just turn my toes like that and it does not work. But my guy had him in a cloverleaf and was like doing that same dude, the high tower guy, and just could not tap him. He ended up winning the match on like points or something. But like, that dude would not tap to a joint line. I've trained with people like that. It's like, it's you funny. Can me out. That's the only way it's going to end. I always, always giggle at the training partners that are like that, that were willing to die on the mats. I have a few younger guys that we train with. They, they, ref- they just, you, you can choke them so hard for so long and they just, they just take it. <laughs> and then eventually they tap, but man, it's like, it's always funny after, after you let go, you're like, man, you refuse to tap. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, I just like I don't understand like I because I, I, man you know you and I both I think we're probably like oh well we got to run our academy next week after this event uh, so like I'm always kind of cautious of like yeah no I'm not gonna be able to walk on that now because I've had my ankle popped one really good time in a tournament and it was just like I kept going for a second and then I was like that really hurts bad I'm gonna go ahead and tap I tap like four seconds after the pop. Ooh. And I was just like, and, and I went through a, a decision-making process. Like, do I want to keep going? It was a kind of a flute deal. It was an ankle lock, but it kind of turned into like the heel hook that hurts your ankle. Like yeah. how he had it in there. It was just kind of weird. My heel was popped out a little bit, but it wasn't illegal or anything. We were doing, um, it was the purple belt qualifier in Dallas that AGF had a few years back. Right. That's what <clears throat> it was like the final where everybody uh, had the final match. I think uh, – oh, who is that guy that won? Um, 
I want to say that he fought Clay in the finals. That was when Clay had like that white purple belt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clay yeah. belts are really tarnished. Yeah, man. Who was that guy? I want to say his name was like Alex Lane. He won that AGF qualifier two times in a row. Uh, really good. I can't remember. You have? Do you have any recollection of that? I think I remember. I think that name sounds familiar. Man, I was uh, from Texas. I, I, I was just getting really into competing at purple belt i like took a break for some reason for like a year during like a year or two during blue belt i didn't compete a lot as a blue belt but uh you can see that yeah man yeah i remember i remember seeing that tournament and i remember being like man i'd like to jump into that thing but um yeah man uh i remember thinking that was was a tough tournament that was a really tough tournament yeah 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 well uh man matt i really uh dude i appreciate you coming and just talking jujitsu with me man you know uh it's awesome getting to talk with people that own academies and share a lot of the same interest and um man i love like i it's not like the primary show i do on my podcast but it's like my 40th jujitsu only episode i do i've had 70 life unraveled episodes where i just joke around like i don't burden my martial art uh my guests of martial arts very much in those episodes so well, man, um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll uh, share over a link uh, for Kendall's uh, spats and stuff. And, man, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you out there again soon on the uh, tournament circuit or, you know, uh, I'm sure our paths will cross again someday. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate all right, bro. I'll shoot you a link when I get this uh, all edited up. Cool. Thanks, all right, man. Have a great day. You too.